Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions, made for farmers by farmers since 1966. Through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, your host for today's episode. Joining me on today's episode is Dr. Guilherme Preis. Dr. Guilherme is a DVM from Brazil who's currently finishing his PhD in veterinary medicine at the University of Minnesota. He is working in the field of epidemiology of swine disease with a focus on Seneca virus A. Welcome to the podcast, Guilherme. Thank you, Dr. Johnson, for uh, having me here. And uh, yeah, pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Would you like to give the audience a brief background about yourself uh, and what, what kind of brought you to your current role in trying to achieve your PhD? So uh, I was, I'm born in, I was born in Brazil. Uh, uh, my, my dad is a hog producer, so that's how I got into the wine business. And then, um, so that's, that's where I got my DTM degree back in Brazil in 2014. Uh, where I worked for a swine producing company for four years and a half. Uh, and then I came here in 2018 uh, to get my PhD. So that's, uh, yeah, been very, very quickly, that's how I, how I ended up here. Very good. Thank you for that. Guilherme, um, you have recently published some work on evaluating uh, different sample types for Seneca virus A. Could you talk to our audience a little bit about what sample types are possible to collect to test for Seneca virus A, and um, which sample types in specific have you been evaluating in your research? Yeah, that's uh, a really good question. That uh, and it's good that we know the answer to that. We're we're on the field, right? And uh, perhaps the most obvious one is if you have you know a clinical uh, case in your farm, is the vesicle, right? That that should be the the very best one, the, the gold standard, right? But that's not always the case because you don't always have access to animals with uh, uh, with the intact vesicles to get the fluid, right? So uh, there are other sample types that you can use, such as oral swabs and, and rectal swabs, which are very uh, easy to collect. And uh, even tonsil swabs, if you have access to a mouth speculum, right? So you just need to prop the mouth open, swab the tonsil, and it's also a very good one. And uh, uh, they should all be, uh, if the animal is uh, diseased, you should be able to detect it for up to 21 or 28 days usually. Uh, oral swabs tend to go negative a little bit before, right? but not, not by much, right? And, um, uh, and that's why also for, for this uh, uh, work that, that we published here that uh, uh, perhaps people have seen it in uh, conferences, we decided to, to try to look into tonsil scrapings, which is the same type of uh, sample that we use for uh, classical swine fever monitoring, and then I believe some people also do it for first, right? Uh, and then we found that you can actually find it for a lot longer, uh, for at least up to 48 days, while all, all the other sample types uh, turn negative, you can still uh, detect it in, in the tonsils of the animals if you scrape the tonsil uh, uh, with a spoon. So it's very similar to when you're collecting a tonsil swab. You just grab a mouth speculum, and instead of swabbing the tonsil, you scrape it with a spoon, and then you just swab the spoon, and that's what you send to the lab for uh, PCR, right? And the reason why we decided to go with that is because we knew that if you euthanize an animal or the animal dies, and then you, you just collect the whole tonsil and send it, uh, we know that it can be positive for a very, very long time. 
uh, um, sometimes even over 150 days. That's the, the most number of days that we have found to be positive uh, so far. Uh, and then uh, there are also other sample types. Uh, you know, oral fluids have been good too for up to 30, 35 days after the animals have been infected. Right now we're going into the kind of aggregate sampling, right, group sampling. And processing fluids, you can also use them to detect. And the processing fluids is actually pretty interesting because we found that uh, even before you can uh, detect the outbreak in your farm, right? So we have data from 10 different farms and for a few of them, even before vesicles were seen, even before they knew that something was going on, uh, uh, we already detected positive processing fluids for up to two or three weeks before that. And they, in average, they stay positive for up to 12 weeks after the outbreak. And I believe, yeah, for, for live animals, uh, th that would be, you know, the kind of samples that we do have. So Very interesting. The uh, tonsil uh, swabs or tonsil scrapings are something that I think our audience is probably familiar with, but nah, I would guess not a lot of us have actually collected those samples. You mentioned a speculum, um, and I think a lot of us do have experience with tracheal swabs for mycoplasma testing. That's become fairly common over the last decade. Is it the same type of speculum and same approach you would use, you know, kind of the, the headlamp light to be able to see in there for collecting that tonsil swab is what we think of with the tracheal swabs? Is that fair to say you'd use some of the same equipment to collect that sample? Yeah, uh, myself, I used the exact same equipment, uh, but I did not have any flesh lead or anything. So because it's easier to see the tonsil, right? And I mean, in worst case scenario, even if you cannot see it, you you, you kind of know where, where it is and you can scrape and you're going to see the mucus, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, I don't recommend that. It's better that you're looking at it, right? Uh, but uh, I mean, if you have it, good. But if you don't have it, you can still make it. Too. Very good. Uh, Guillerme, you talked about some very long durations of potential infection with those tonsils up to 150 days. That sounds like a situation where um, persistently infected animals uh, could come up. Do we know much about that with, with Seneca virus A? Are there examples of, of herds that have been persistently infected or individually animals that have been persistently infected? And do you know if that um, infection comes and goes, uh, like a latent infection where the animal is positive, then negative for the antigen, but then goes, goes positive again, or are they staying positive during that entire duration? So uh, that's a very interesting question, which we don't have a very good answer for yet, right? Uh, so far, what we, what we have found is, uh, like I said, for up to 150 days after farm has gone through an outbreak, right? And then uh, the animal, uh, after we euthanize it, is still positive in tonsils, uh, testicles of boars, and even some lymph nodes. You can still find it, right? Uh, uh, and so is it a latent infection or does the animal keep, you know, shedding and they, and they stop shedding and then they resume shedding again, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it appears that stressful situations may trigger shedding again, right? Because we can consistently find that these animals are positive, or at least we find RNA over time and we keep sampling them. But uh, if we do rectal swabs or if we collect the feces to try to find it in there, you know, uh, we don't find it. But then there's even published literature showing that, uh, you know, some stressors such as uh, uh, farrowing, uh, transportation stress, uh, after the authors have done that, they found that uh, they were able to detect shedding again through, you know, rectal swabs or that sort of, or that sort of sampling, you know. So uh, we don't have a very large number of animals, uh, at least in the published literature, doing that. But we do have a, I'd say, a strong case that that may be happening, right? And then uh, if you ask, you know, is that virus live? Can it infect other animals? 
we have not proven that yet. Uh, uh, perhaps the strongest uh, evidence that we do have that it probably is infectious or that it may be infectious is when we did in situ hybridization in councils of animals. And what is the in situ hybridization or ish? What it does, it's basically looking for replicating virus. And we have positive uh, 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 signals for that in tonsils of animals. So it seems like the virus is replicating. And if it is replicating, we can perhaps assume that it is live and it can affect others, right? Uh, we have not done uh, or we have not completed a bioassay yet, meaning that we haven't used the RNA found in the tonsils of persistently infected animals to try to infect others. Uh, 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 but I mean, if we had recorded this one week from now, maybe I would have giving you a different answer because we are in the process of doing that. And uh, so, yeah, soon we may know if that uh, the virus is live or not, if it can infect other animals or not. So. Excellent. So, so you've got a bioassay prepared where you're taking that PCR positive material, intentionally exposing naive pigs to that, and we'll find out if that virus is live or not that way, correct? Yes, correct. And out of curiosity, I actually inoculated the animals with this material yesterday. So pretty soon, perhaps tomorrow, two days from now, I'm going to know the answer if these animals are positive or not. Excellent. Well, enjoy your downtime away from other farms now that you've handled the uh, Seneca virus A material. And uh, I love to end on a teaser. So thank you very much for sharing that, Guillerme. Uh, we'll have to look forward to uh, the second edition of this podcast to find out what those results look like. Complete ventilation and farm management solutions from SCOV optimize your pig production. Having SCOV as a partner provides you with reliable, high-quality solutions. Visit SCOV.com for more information. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Guillerme Price, uh, for coming on to the, the show today. Really appreciate your sharing your learnings with us. I think that's very practical information for producers and veterinarians alike that continue to, to battle infections with uh, Seneca virus A. Uh, to everyone in our audience, thank you for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on next week's episodes. For Dr. Guillerme Price, a DVM and PhD candidate at the University of Minnesota, my name's Dr. Clayton Johnson. Thank you and see you next week. Hey everyone, we're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbeltatswineit.com and we would love to take a look at your research. Thank you.